Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. One of the things I have loved most in my 25-year recruiting career has always been the stories that people tell. Stories of leadership, career choices, company ideas, and team building. My inspiration for starting the What Fuels You podcast came from being curious about people's lives and wanting to help share their stories. What path brought them to this place? What decisions did they make that led to failures and successes? Who influenced those decisions and what lessons were learned along the way? I hope you enjoy the What Fuels You podcast. Today's guest on the What Fuels You podcast is Jody Sternoff Cohen. Jody's a best selling author, award winning journalist, functional practitioner, and founder of Vibrant Blue Oils, where she has combined her training in nutritional therapy and aromatherapy to create unique proprietary blends of organic and well-crafted essential oils. She has helped over 70,000 clients heal from brain-related challenges, including anxiety, insomnia, and autoimmunity. Her website, vibrantblueoils.com, is visited by over 500,000 natural health seekers every year, and she has rapidly become a top resource for essential oils education on the internet today. Her first book, Healing with Essential Oils, is available on amazon.com, and her new book, Essential Oils to Boost the Brain and Heal the Body, will be released today. Welcome, Jody. Good to see you. It's good to see you too. Thank you for doing this. I wish we were in person. I'm normally recording this in um, Capitol Hill, and it would be way more fun to be in person, but at least I get to see you on Zoom. I know. I know. It, <laughs> I do miss in person. I know. Soon. Soon enough. Yes. Um, okay. So we're going to start with some rapid fire. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. What word best describes you according to your friends? Uh, they think I'm resilient. Well, I would say yes. Yes, yes, exclamation point. <laughs> um, mountains or ocean? Oh, gosh, both. Um, I, I love both. And I see you at both. I see you in Maui and I see you at mm. Whistler. Yeah, I like both. I, I think I would have to say ocean, though, if it was like, ultimately, I'm ocean. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Total introvert. And what is something that you have read, seen, or listened to that you most frequently recommend to others? Oh, that's a great Bes question. Besides your book. <laughs> I, I love Glennon Doyle. I love I how honest and raw she is. I do, too. I, I, it's so funny because... I read Untamed at the beginning of last year, beginning of 2020, and I've had a few people on the podcast who have said Untamed, and I'm like, I got to say, couldn't agree more. Like, it was so powerful. Love. All, and I love Brene Brown. Books. Do you yes. like Brene Brown? Of yeah. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. So who is a person that you would most like to share a meal with? Living or dead? Either. At this point, gosh, anyone out of quarantine. Um, I really, I admire Gwyneth Paltrow. I kind of like how she's grown her business and how she balances things. Yeah. I, it's funny because I follow her and right now she's on some sort of crazy intermittent fasting fast and I'm on this crazy fast right now. So obviously, well, you and I know that we've known each other our whole lives. So you grew up here in Seattle, correct? Yes. Very close to you. Yes, definitely. And who would you say um, when you were younger, you most kind of looked up to? You know, I don't know if you remember Nicole Condit. I really loved her mom. She was really um, kind of a, a critical thinker. She was always, you know, she got like a tiny little Datsun when everyone else had the big station wagon, you know, <laughs> and we'd all cram in there often in the trunk. 
Um, and she just was kind of brave and unconventional. I love it. Yeah. Well, you need to just spend more time with my mom. My mom was definitely unconventional and yeah, fun. And, and brave. Yes, that's and true. Brave, she yeah. always has been. And what did you think that you, you know, when we're little, we always have ideas about what we kind of want to be when we grow up. What were you thinking you'd want to pursue? You know, I didn't, it's so funny because my daughter is 16 and so she's thinking about colleges and what her major should be. I don't know that I totally knew. I knew what I was good at and what I got praised for. And so I think I kind of went in that direction. You know, like I was always a good writer and people mm -hmm. seemed to, you know, um, but I, I really had no clue, you know, and it wasn't, we can get into this more, but I didn't have this kind of linear path. I just kept following what seemed fun. Well, completely. And that's how it was back in the day. Yeah. I mean, how many people would you say that we knew that actually knew? Probably none. I mean, maybe like the doctor or the veterinarian or someone who knew they wanted to join, join the military or something. But most of us were just kind of like, oh, that's cool. Sounds cool. Because, you know, my friend's going there. Like, yes. How did you decide on Indiana? Oh, my goodness. You know, we used to go to Maui when you were there. And there was a whole Chicago contingent that was there. And they all went to Indiana. And so I had no idea. I really didn't know what I was doing. But I applied to a bunch of Midwestern schools. And my dad took me out to visit. And I graduated high school in 1987 when Indiana basketball was doing really well. And one of my uh, Maui friends said, oh, come, I'm on the student athletic board. I'll get you tickets. And my dad was like, I'm there. <laughs> you know, you're, you're like he was, done and done. Yeah. That's and so then funny. it's it's this unbelievably beautiful campus. It's really pretty. And I had looked at um, WashU and Northwestern before that were also pretty, but the people were pretty serious. It didn't strike me as fun. And we went to IU and my friend took me out and we went to all these parties. I'm like, this place is fun. And was it? Was it like oh, tons of fun? So, so fun. So fun. And you know, it, it's interesting because then I went on and went to Columbia, which New York is such a distraction that I was mm -hmm. almost grateful. There's really nothing to do in Bloomington, Indiana, except for go to class and maybe go to the local bars with your friends. So there, it really wasn't that distracting. Did you go to um, New York right out of college? No, I went to, so this is a funny story. Um, I graduated and didn't have a job. And my mother said, uh, you have until September to find a job, at which point I will find one for you and you probably won't like it. So <laughs> I was very motivated and um, I was sending resumes to New York. I thought I wanted to work in like PR or um, advertising and my college boyfriend was doing a summer internship in DC. So I figured if, if I had interviews, my parents would pay for the plane ride from New York to DC so I could visit him. So I just wrote to, you know, our congressman and the two senators. And of course, at that time, no one from Seattle really went to D.C. So I got the interviews and I wound up getting all the jobs just, oh, I think, awesome. because they wanted a constituent. So I, I had no idea. I thought it was really easy to get a job in the U.S. Senate. Yeah, I saw that you worked in politics for all. Did you like that? Like, how was it versus how you thought it was going to be? I thought I was going to really be helping people. I thought that it was going to be like some legislation that really made a difference in the world. And part of it was that. But the thing that was hard was kind of the, the sharp elbow piece, you know, like Bush was in office when I was there. So we intentionally crafted a terrible education bill so that Bush would veto it and we could say, oh, Bush vetoed education. And that didn't feel like it was making the world a better place. So I, I struggled with that. Yeah. How long did you work in politics? So it was like a couple of years? 
Well, I worked, I moved to DC in August of 91, and I worked in politics until about um, 93. So January of 93. And then I had been journalism poli-sci undergrad. So I got a job as a journalist in DC, mm-hmm. which, you know, that was actually very fun. Well, it's, I'm sure. So when you're, um, when you're working as a writer and journalist and working in politics, um, you don't necessarily need an MBA. Like what made you decide to go back and get an MBA? Well, see, this is a good story too. There was a lobbyist when I was in the Senate who I thought was cute. And I knew he was getting an MBA and I wanted an excuse to go to lunch with him. So I asked him about it and we went out to lunch. And as he was talking about it, I realized, oh gosh, that actually, I think I would like that because, you know, in DC, everyone, uh, they're very ambitious. You know, they're either there for law school for three years or they're working for three years and then they're going to go get their advanced degree. And I bizarrely tested well in math always, like so much better than English. And so I knew, oh, I'll, I'll do really well on the GMAT because it's math. And the marketing actually sounds like something I would enjoy. So once I kind of heard about it, I was like, oh, I, w- I would like that. And I did. I love that you're just like casually like, oh, I might just want to go get an MBA. And then it ends <laughs> up being Columbia of all schools. It's a really competitive program. It like is. it's crazy. Yeah. And then you lived in New York after that? I did. Yeah. I graduated. And, you know, a lot of the people that go to Columbia are from New York. So they're super well connected. I mean, you were, you were there when I was there. It was so hard to get an apartment. But I, you know, a lot of my friends like, oh, I got engaged. So you can just have my apartment, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, and I finished business school in 96 when uh, com. there was a dot com party every night. Like it was so easy to get a job just because there were so many opportunities opening it up. Yeah. And um, at what point in this whole journey did you meet your husband? Was that, was I, that the, I, the cute guy that was the MBA story or is that someone else? No, that was, um, I actually met him uh, hiking to Machu Picchu in mountains, Peru. Um, yeah. A friend of mine what, uh, had basically gone straight to Microsoft after college, you know, and was kind of there at the right time. So um, made her millions before she turned 30 and she had never traveled and I would travel every chance I got. So she's like, Oh, you're a good traveler. Let's go somewhere. And, uh, I think Noah Tratt's parents had just gotten back from Peru and I was like, I really want to go to Peru. So we did. And, um, my ex-husband was on the trip and they'd actually gone to Brown together. So it was pretty random, but yeah. That is, I always love hearing these stories. It's like you said, Gwyneth Paltrow, I think she was in that movie Sliding Doors, but I always think about that. Like, what if you hadn't gone on that trip? I'm like, how just like life works in that way that, you know, all these intersections of people. And so, yeah, so I remember you had this like crazy long, awesome career in media and advertising in New York. Yeah. Um, And then like, what brought you back to Seattle? Microsoft, actually. Um, it was funny. I, I wanted to quit because before we got married, we wanted to do some traveling and I went in to kind of give my resignation and my boss was like, we're going to lose headcount. And if you quit, we're going to lose one more headcount. So can you hang on a few months longer, you know, before you quit? And I said, yes, but only if you let me, there were a couple projects that I really thought needed to get done that no one was doing. So it was like, only if you let me do these specific projects, because I really think that would be quite helpful. And so he agreed. And through those projects, I wound up meeting um, the head of a marketing department in Seattle, who was like, you should, you know, we were planning to move to Seattle anyway. So she basically recruited me. So, you know, 
yeah. got married, moved to Seattle. How did you there. How did you feel about that whole move? Because you know, I think that for me, I always thought I would move back to Seattle from New York, but then being gone for so long, it was like very much not um, something that I was thinking was actually going to happen until the market crashed in 2009. For me, like that was more the like, okay, we need to do something because New York was kind of getting ridiculously expensive and unrealistic with two kids. See, I, I knew that we were getting married and I wanted to have kids and I wanted to be close to my mother and also the whole real estate. I mean, we were in like a one bedroom apartment and we moved yeah. here and bought, it, it felt like a mansion. Like I couldn't totally. believe how much space. The thing that was hard for me is driving because I hadn't lived in a city where I, ha- you know, I would walk everywhere and totally. Seattle's not really a walk everywhere city. Right. So you move back here, you start working for Microsoft which department were you in at Microsoft? Well, that's the funny thing. I started and they, it was kind of this like corporate across the board, like they were doing kind of um, marketing programs across the board. And it basically, that got shut down like shortly after I started, you know, and they give you like whatever the 60 days to interview internally. But I didn't actually like the commute, the driving from Queen Anne to Redmond. Yeah. And so um, Avenue A, Lee Sherman, who we grew up with, was working there. So I wound up off-ramping to Avenue A and doing online advertising, which was actually fabulous. It was really fun. Oh, yeah. And new. Super cool. Yeah. I can't remember who someone was just on the podcast that worked at Avenue A. And now I'm, of course, freaking... Uh... Oh, it's going to bug me. I'll think of it and I'll, I'll text you after. That's so funny. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So you get married, you've got your two kids here in Seattle mm-hmm. and you're raising them. You're working full time, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And so what intersections of life led you to make such a, a pivot to get into um, essential oils and kind of wellness? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I kind of look at my life like a roller coaster. You know, I hit a rock bottom, I figure out how to crawl back up, and then another one comes. So my daughter was born in 2004, and she was ridiculously easy, like still to this day, the easiest child I've ever encountered. And I just assumed that I was like this great mom, like, oh, I don't know why, (laughs) what's everyone else struggling with? So Max was born um, 22 months later, and he was not easy. You know, like you'd have the baby proofers come and they'd say like, oh, maybe you should lock the oven because your kid might crawl inside. And you're like, what kid crawls in the oven? Like, that's ridiculous. Well, Max yeah. crawled in the oven. He was, he was that kid. Yeah. He was did, that. He have, did he have like um, ADD or was he just like tactile? Like I have some friends who have those boys and I have a boy that's mellow. I'm like, my boy never even climbed over the couch. But, I, I, you know, a lot of boys just yeah. are very physical. He was a total sensory seeker, no impulse control. He was probably ADD. I mean, it's funny. I actually had all these uh, assessments set up for him because he was about to enter seventh grade, you know, and then he got in a car accident. So I had to unravel everything. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he was. But but our early, what got me into nutrition was uh, we were actually, I think, at a birthday party at the zoo, and he was being really well-behaved, and Alex Ehrlich was like, oh my gosh, he's being so well-behaved today, and it's like, yes, yay, and then another mom passed out a Ritz cracker, he ate it and literally like took off, we were by the carousel, he started making a beeline towards um, the Jaguar, you know, so I just sprint after him, grab him, bring him back, and she said, that's interesting that he you know, changed after eating something. My brother was on Ritalin his whole life and it turned out he was allergic to weird foods. You should take him to a nutritionist. 
And I thought, well, that's easy enough. You know, I've tried everything else. So I took him to a nutritionist and, um, you know, I took every parenting class I could think of, you know, all the uh uh-oh songs, nothing worked. We used to be like, look at my nose. He couldn't look at our nose. The nutritionist said he's very sensitive to corn, soy, and dairy. Take that out of his diet. I thought, okay, the next day he could look at our nose. And that was really um, mind-blowing because for anyone who's ever had, you know, that kid who does those things, it's exhausting. You know, and you wonder, is it, is it my parenting? Am I a terrible mother? Like, is there a better way to reach them? And to realize like, oh my goodness, for whatever reason, those chemicals in his brain were not a fit. And when I shift the chemicals, it's so much easier for him to show up as his best self. You know, I was like, I have to learn more. Like that never occurred to me. So you started studying nutrition? Yeah, there was actually a program, Nutritional Therapy Association, and it actually met like once a month the entire weekend on um, on Capitol Hill at Seattle Central. So I enrolled in that program and got kind of certified and was trying to work with other moms and, you know, help them with their kind of ADD kids in a natural way. Um, and then, you know, the next shoe dropped. So. Well, and so... The next shoe being, because, you know, obviously you and I are in each other's lives, but the listeners on the podcast are not in your life, or maybe some of them are. Hopefully our moms are listening. <laughs> hi, mom. Hi, hi my mom. Hi, Shelly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, tell us, tell us what led you to taking it to the next level of even essential oils and just all the different things that you, your, your roller coaster has taken you through. Yeah. I mean, like you, I was playing mostly with supplements. Often I would forget to take them. And then um, my my husband was, we kind of figured out he was bipolar after my daughter was born. He got really manic. We thought we addressed it. You know, he was taking um, the right remedies at the time. Then my son was born and he kind of flipped in the other direction and was more depressed. And you know that story of the frog in the boiling water, like you just kind of keep functioning. Um, by the time uh, Carly was seven and Max was five, he was he was in pretty bad shape. And uh, it became clear that I, I might lose him. He might die on my watch. Unfortunately, um, mutual friends stepped in and said, uh, you, this is more than, this is above your pay grade. You know, there are facilities um, where you can check him in, a residential treatment facility where they can help him, you know, and, and you know he's going to be safe and it's not your responsibility. So we found one in Texas. It's called Menninger. Actually, Rabbi Weiner was the one who recommended it. And um, his sister came up from San Francisco and helped move him down. And the minute that I knew he was safe and it wasn't my job to keep him alive, it was like I had crossed the finish line for a you know five-year marathon. And I just, I, I could barely function. I couldn't get out of bed. I mean, I had to because they were five and seven. So I'd get up, I'd make them breakfast, I'd pack their lunch, I'd drive them to school, I'd come home, I'd crawl back into bed and set the alarm for pickup you know, pick them up. And it was just, every day was survival, you know, like just making it through the day. But I knew, I knew that my adrenals were probably exhausted. I knew what supplements I was supposed to be taking. I was actually taking them and it wasn't working. Nothing was helping. And um, a friend fortunately was in the oil world and I had helped her with a big event. She came by with a box of probably 40 oils and said, uh, when you're high stress, your body releases cortisol, and that causes kind of chronic inflammation, including in your gut. 
So when your gut's really inflamed, really doesn't matter if you're taking the right remedies, it's probably not getting into your system. You know, oils can actually work through the skin and get into the blood that way. You can smell them. It's just a different thing to try. And I thought, why not? You know, I have to try something and nothing seems to be working. So um, because I had been working with kind of squirmy, wormy kids, I I had this, I learned this system um, called muscle testing, which is just, it, it's weird, but it works. It's kind I've of done muscle way. testing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, so I, I muscle tested the box, like for the adrenals, I got um, five oils. I felt confused. And then I thought, oh, wait a minute, maybe, I, you know, they're liquid. I can combine them. Didn't know anything about oils. Went in the kitchen and grabbed a shot glass, kind of made my first blend, but I knew where the adrenals were on the body. So I put them on the low back and it was kind of the most profound moment of my life. Like, it, you know, I'm sure you've had moments in Maui where you feel like you're drowning, like the tide pulls you out and you're like, wait a minute, how come I can't get back to shore? And then you finally do. And you take that first breath and you're like, oh, I'm not dead. You know, I, I really, it was like, oh my God, I, I could go running. I could go clean the house. You know, laundry is such an experience. You have to wash it, then put it away. And anyway, I did more that day than I had probably in the past month. And I thought, okay, that was a win. I'm going to keep doing that. And, um, you know, when you're, when you're that kind of, when your energy is that messed up, it impacts your sleep too. So it's usually that, you know, you're dragging through the day and then at night you're super tired, but you can't fall asleep. So as I was kind of clock watching, I, I thought, well, maybe I can make something for sleep. So I made my second blend. And I just kept making things up as I was going that seemed to help. And then when I started kind of feeling like myself again, all my friends are like, all right, what'd you do? You have to share. So I was literally giving them like little samples, you know, and they were like, this works for me. It tests well for all my clients. You should do something with this. And I thought, well, someone, this is so obvious. I'm sure someone is. So I finally went online and looked and no one was really looking at oil blends kind of through the lens of balancing organs and regions of the brain. And the way they described it, it was so super complicated. I would have felt totally unqualified and never tried it. So um, the Nutritional Therapy Association was having an event and it was like $200 to be a vendor, you know, and I, I knew how to market. So I'm like, all right, well, like show up proof of concept. You know, we made, I think, 100 kits because we knew there were like 200 people there. Um, and we sold out pretty much the first day. People were like, oh, we've wanted to do oils. It felt confusing. We didn't really get it. I like that you made it simple. And so I knew, I was like, oh, I guess we're on to something. So I hired someone to build a website. I would write blogs, you know, when the kids were in school and I would fill orders at night and people kind of, you know, Dr. Google found me. At a certain point, I hired some friends to help me with fulfillment, you know, and it just kind of kept growing without really a lot of effort and trying. That's amazing. And so when you say you made it simple, just that the branding would be like sleep, you know, or stress, like that yeah. type of branding or versus yeah. cause somebody might not know that like lavender is good for this or exactly, you know, cinnamon's good for that. So um, interesting. And so how did you even know how to physically mix? You just mix them in your kitchen or you didn't have a lab or anything? So there's actually um, a, a 
essential oil celebrity. His name is Jim Harrison, who lives on Queen Anne and teaches at Bastyr. So I signed up for the Bastyr course and kind of learned from the renowned expert how to do it. Yeah, and I basically converted uh, my garage into, I had it redone and turned it into kind of like my office, you know, and, and I was doing it myself in the beginning. And then obviously when you scale, I, I outsourced it to someone who used to um, work for Young Living. You know, oh, that's, that's kind of amazing. Like yeah. And so how do you go about sourcing the oil, like the, the contents that go into the bottles? Where do you even find that? And how do you make sure that it's, you know, organic and not uh, without chemicals? Yeah. So he actually had a lot of relationships and um, I, I was working with him early on. So you, you really need to, I mean, it's really important because where it's grown matters much like you know you've lived in seattle and new york and they're both famous for apples but the apples are very different washington state apples and new york apples are not one in the same so kind of the soil that it's grown in you know the amount of sunlight the amount of moisture in the air that really impacts it so like um helichrysum for example you have to source that from corsica you can get it from other places but it's not as good you know um, Blue Tansy comes from Morocco. So he had all the pre-existing relationships. And then my criteria was it has to be organic, but every batch that we get in, we test and we make sure there's no pesticides, no adulterants, no, nothing synthetic. And so do you get to travel? I mean, I guess pre-pandemic, were you traveling to some of these exotic places to test and source oils? Pre-pandemic, yes. Yeah, That's we'll amazing. see. I will be excited to get on an um, international flight again. <laughs> I'm sure. And so um, I'm sure that it's a small world, like the oil industry, how many people are in, but it seems like it's probably grown a lot um, in the past 10 years. And so how do you, uh, how do you stand apart from the competition? I'm really the only one who's doing kind of proprietary blends that are like, I, I label it, you know, adrenal, pancreas, liver, gallbladder. I'm really looking at it more from a clinical perspective of how does this work to balance the organs in the body? You know, how, basically when you go to your practitioner, what they're doing is they're looking at how do we put you in balance? You know, mm -hmm. like if your kids, Max used to love to make marble ramps, you know, and if it's kind of not right, the marble won't roll. So that's basically like your body. If everything's kind of working properly, you should have energy throughout the day. You should sleep well at night. You know, your brain function should work. So it's just helping to get people kind of in optimal balance. And you can do that with oils um, if, you know, basically to reboot your system. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. And how do you know when you're in balance? Like, you know, if I've gotten all this blood work done just because I, I feel like it's a privilege to be able to even pay for it, right. To go to find a doctor that will do that. Um, but the average person is not necessarily has the time or resources or, or even know how to try to figure out if they're in balance. Yeah. I mean, the, the biggest question is, are you sleeping? Is it hard mm -hmm. to fall asleep? Do you stay asleep or do you wake up in the middle of the night if, you're, if you have no problem falling asleep, you sleep through the night and you wake up feeling rested, then sleep, you know, is good for you. That's a, that's a good thing. The next mm -hmm. thing is kind of like stress. Do you feel overwhelmed? Do you feel anxious? You know, does your stomach feel fluttering? Do you have, do you go to the bathroom too often or not at all? You know, mm -hmm. how is kind of your stress and your digestion? If you eat something, does your stomach kind of hurt? Do you feel bloated? Do you kind of feel that acid reflux? You know, anything that kind of feels um, less optimal, 
Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's a concern with toxicity. You know, are you, um, do you have itchy skin or any kind of, um, you know, breakout or skin eruption? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you get motion sickness when you're driving? Right. It's interesting because I went on the site to try to figure out like oh, which, okay. which oil would be best for me. And I did the assessment. And so when it was like breaking it down at first, they were like, okay, any issues around sleep or stress, digestion, inflammation, detoxification, blood sugar. And I was like, all. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm all. And so A, I was like, can I take all? And then I read, no, you- and then I read that it was like less is more. So <laughs> I was like, okay, that's good to know because knowing my personality, I'd be like, give me the whole kit and caboodle. But then I took the assessment and it said um, that I'm stressed, which to me is like, then every single human on the planet should probably be using the oils because all of the things you mentioned, like the only two I didn't have was like acid reflux or something. I don't have that, but like you know, people have things. There's stress. There's anxiety. There's sleep. Um, or maybe it's just us, you know, like I'm, no, I was shocked it's, to it's see everyone. How, I would imagine that everybody could use, you know, this type of balancing. Um, and so are yeah. you just, do you feel, you know, I know that you mentioned earlier that, um, Max was in a car accident and, um, and I know that he died from the car accident. And so how did being, you were using the oils at the time, and I remember seeing you and you gave me a little bit of oil and it actually was amazing. I don't know if you remember. Was it at, at services at Temple? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, but it, they were very calming for me. Like it was amazing. And so did you, did the oils help you get through such an incredible tragedy? There's like the most unnatural thing as a mother to lose a child. Like I can't imagine. It was horrible. And you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I feel like I was well resourced going in, but you know, I had never, for me, grief, um, you know, it was like a wave, like it would wake me up in the middle of the night and my chest would hurt. Like uh, grief is actually associated in Chinese medicine with the lungs. And I could feel that. And it was, if you've ever woken up with like a Charlie horse, you know, and you kind of have to get up and stand on it and then it fixes it. I was like, oh my God, this is so intense. Like I thought it might kill me. Um, But then I'm like, all right, I'm just going to, try, you know, trial error. So the first one I tried actually was we have a lung remedy and that worked really well. And it really, it it was like standing up on the Charlie horse and it's better. And I'm like, okay, I know I'm not going to stop, you know, these waves from coming, but I'm going to work through them. Like that's, that's actually, it's a little bit weird to get into, but um, emotions kind of impact our health mostly because we don't really know how to feel them. So, you know, big girls don't cry, stiff upper lip, we just suppress. You know, when you suppress them, then they kind of um, become stagnant. So oils can help you, you know, with grief. If you can actually release your grief, if you can cry, if you can move through it, that helps. Uh, the other big aha that I had was, um, I was I was an anxious wreck to begin with. Like so much of my personality was kind of, um, figuring out how to work around my anxiety. Like I would never wait to the last minute to turn in a paper, mostly because I would be so anxious. So I, you know, the whole perfectionist program and overachiever, that was really a workaround for my anxiety. But, you know, all of a sudden Max died and it's like the dam completely broke. And what you were talking about earlier, we all, there, there's a certain level of stress that, you know, we can't give up. Like if someone just says, oh, you're stressed, you know, I used to think, what am I going to do? Like go to yoga all day? Like my kids still need to be driven and fed and, you know, the house needs to be clean. But what I realized is that 
there's kind of the external stress and then there's how you respond to it. Mm-hmm. And there are ways that you can control your physiological response. And that felt like, you know, if you've ever heard that Viktor Frankl quote between the stimulants and the response, there is a pause. Mm. And in that pause lies the power. There is a way to kind of pause your nervous system so that when you are having an anxiety attack or feel like you might, you know, explode or feel completely overwhelmed or, you know, you're on a tight deadline and your kid asks you a really like, you know, easy question, but somehow you, you know, lose your temper and you don't mean to. There's a way to kind of pause that so that that doesn't happen. And that's really, this is, if your listeners, oops, hear nothing else. I hope they hear this. So your nervous system your autonomic nervous system controls your autonomic automatic functions. It has two gears, the gas pedal, which is when you're overwhelmed and in danger and the brake, which is called your parasympathetic nervous system. It is is like the fight or flight. Fight or flight. Yes. Fight or flight is sympathetic. Rest and digest is parasympathetic. The on off switch, literally the gear shift, like on your bike between those states is the longest nerve in the body. Most people have never heard of. It's called your vagus nerve. Um, It connects your brain to your body, body to the brain. It starts at the back of the neck, splits, and is most accessible kind of right behind the earlobe. It also winds through your throat, your lung, your heart. You know, every time you, like deep breathing basically is activating your vagus nerve and stimulating parasympathetic. So that's why you always feel better in Shavasana than at the beginning of yoga. But right around when when I started getting into oils, I was like, how do I activate parasympathetic? Oh, it must be relaxing. It must be like lavender or chamomile. But then this research came out. There was a neuroscientist out of New York named Kevin Tracy who was playing with um, like surgically implanting pacemaker-like devices kind of behind the earlobe on the mastoid bone. And he was using that to stimulate the vagus nerve. And it was so successful that the FDA approved it for epilepsy, depression, and migraines. And when I saw that, I was like, stimulate. Oh my God, you know, oils are so stimulating. Like some oils like clove or oregano thyme, if you put them on your Mm -hmm. arm, it will turn red, it will feel hot. I'm like, I bet you could use a stimulatory oil you know, to kind of acupuncture point, trigger that vagus nerve. And that was the biggest aha moment that you Oh, wow. Yeah. Basically, it's like, you know, there are times when you're driving, someone cuts you off and you're like, whatever, who cares? It's sunny day. Other days, four letter words are flying out of the mouth. The only difference in that moment is you and your resilience. And the more you can gear shift into parasympathetic, the more you can show up as kind of your resilient, you're good, you know, it doesn't really matter what else is going on. You're kind of your best self, which helps in business. It helps in relationships. It helps with your health. Helps with parenting. Like the example that you gave, I'm like, I think that was me like two hours ago. (laughs) I got interrupted and I like short tempered because I had a deadline. Um, It's, this is fascinating. Wow. And that was actually the biggest thing with Max because, uh, you know, he obviously was killed. There were other boys, other families involved. There was a lot coming at me over which I had zero control. But when I was able to kind of activate my parasympathetic nervous system, it's, it's interesting. Sympathetic fight or flight shuts down everything not relevant to survival. So like blood flow is routed away from digestion to your arms and legs. You know, your breathing increases so you get more oxygen in, but it changes your focus. Your pupils, the black part of your eyes actually get really big like saucers. It's called selective attention. 
And what it means is, you know, if you could kind of contemplate everything, you could die because you can't really be taking it all in when you're in danger. You really have to just hyper-focus on the next thing to keep you alive. So that means that your problem-solving skills, you know, your ability to make choices and stay calm totally shuts down. So when you activate your parasympathetic state, you basically, the pupils shrink up, you know, your access to creative thinking, you know, like if, if something happens, you get an email that's really triggering and upsetting. Instead of responding right away, you take a pause, you activate your parasympathetic nervous system, and then you can look at it again and either say like, oh, I can see their point, but I disagree with this, or gosh, it looks like we need more information. You know, you're able to really show up as kind of your most diplomatic version of yourself, which does so much more for your business. Yeah. For your business, for yourself, for your relationships, all of it. I love it. And so tell me about your routine for yourself with oils. Like which yeah. oils do you access the most? I know you said less is more. So are there kind of the, the grand poobah, you know, <laughs> this, is the, this is the holy grail one or two the, or the, three? The grand poobah that Fonzie would be using. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, we call it parasympathetic. It's a combination of clove and lime. In the book, I actually give the entire recipe, but I do that upon waking. I, I'm a morning exerciser, actually, because when I lived in D.C., you never knew when the Senate would get out of session. And I hated, you know, I used to exercise after work, and you never knew if after work was two in the morning. Um, so I was, actually, I was exercising after work, and my boyfriend got mad at me because D.C. was scary and people were getting mugged. So I started exercising in the morning. So I, I still do that. So I use um, my parasympathetic blend, our adrenal blend, which is good for energy. And then uh, the, the main thing, like, you know, for your audience, people that might be, you know, over 30, movement is really what keeps you healthy because movement makes the lymph pump. And it means that good things like oxygen and blood sugar get to the brain and bad things like waste get out. And oils um, can actually help with movement. So I have a, a lymph oil and a circulation oil that I like to use, you know, before I exercise. Wow. Okay. So that, I feel like we just talked about four or five oils. So four, four oils. So those are the four. Those so are, then do you use a different set at night or are you using yeah. them throughout the day? I'm using them. Um, I use parasympathetic throughout the day on election night. I think I used it every five <laughs> seconds, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other ones that I sometimes use at night, my sleep issue is night waking. I tend to wake up around three or four in the morning. Um, and that is when your detoxification organs, your liver and your gallbladder are the most active. And so if, you know, they're kind of overwhelmed, it wakes you up, then you, that you might have to go to the bathroom because toxins are being pushed out your kidneys instead. So I use um, a blend of liver and gallbladder kind of over my liver, which is right under your right breast before bed. And when I do that, I, I don't wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. And so what if um, someone's anxious uh, flying and they want to take an oil with them on the plane, a little baby one? Yep. Well, you know, the cool thing about anxiety, there's actually a whole branch of chiropractic called functional neurology. And what they're doing, you know, the brain isn't just one organ. It's got different regions, different hemispheres that do different things. So any kind of anxiety attack is your, your right forehead, your right frontal lobe that's overactive. So the way functional neurologists balance it is they just use your right thumb, 
plug right nostril, smell anything. It doesn't matter what oil, whatever smells good to you through your left nostril. That will then stimulate your left forehead, balance the hemispheres, and the anxiety goes away immediately. Oh my gosh. Okay. Done and done. So right hand over right thumb over right nostril, sniffing through your left nostril. Yeah. Any, any oil, any oil, whatever smells good to you. I'm really not a believer that if it smells putrid, you should enjoy it. I think if you don't, you know, if you don't like it, don't take it. But if I'm looking at them, like, what am I looking for to see? Obviously I'm going to buy them from you. This was a (laughs) gift, but if I'm just receiving them, like, how do I make sure that they're actually doing something for me and they're, they're healthy? Try to buy organic when you can, you know, but some things like for anyone who's ever had a a garden, you know, there's um, mint grows like weeds. There's really no need that you need to put pesticides on it because it's going to grow anyway. Um, And I I would just say if you're new to oils and you really, you know, don't know where to start, people, citrus is really good for um, any kind of anxiety, depression. It's very calming. You know, just go to Whole Foods or any place that has it. Just smell and pick the one that you like the best. Just start there. Mm -hmm. You know, and and to your point for baths, like um, everyone says lavender for sleep. It's a little bit like Benadryl. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it makes you more hyper. But the, the way it works best is when you add it to an Epsom salt bath. So two cups Epsom salt, one cup baking soda, put the three drops of lavender in the salt before you add the water. Use your bathtub as a mixing bowl because Mm. then the oil won't float on the top. Ah, that's helpful. And so tell me about the classes that um, I saw offered on your website. Is that a thing? It it is a thing. Because I couldn't couldn't tell. I I went to go look like I was going to put it in the cart, but then I didn't know what it was that I was buying. Basically, it's, um, you know, people have been asking me for years to like teach a class. So, you know, I have the book that kind of focuses on the five things that I think are the biggest health priorities and then really how to implement them. But what's what's interesting with the classes, like um, if you look at essential oil research, you know, I, I actually think topical application, putting it on the skin is the most effective, but the research says otherwise because it's looking for how quickly does it get into the bloodstream. So if you're drinking it and gets into the blood faster than if you put it on the skin, um, but if you're putting it on reflex points like acupuncture points, it actually has kind of like an immediate effect. And so there are really easy ways. I mean, for everything that we have going on, like allergy attacks, constipation, you know, um, nausea, fatigue, all of these things. I'm really kind of sharing, this is what I see in practice. And then this is the research to back it up. You know, it's like parenting. Did you get your best parenting advice from other friends who had kids or your pediatrician or book? It's always other friends. It's people that are out there on the front lines that are like, hey, you know, baby powder gets sand off your kid's feet. So right. your man isn't sandy. And you're like, great tip. I'm keeping that, you know? Yeah, totally. And so what are your goals with the business? Like, where are you now and where are you trying to take this? Um, I've exceeded a million, which was my first big goal. And it's, it's really interesting because, you know, you start to realize that at a certain point, you know, I now have like 20 people on my team. Um, bigger is, is not less work. And so I'm really trying to be very thoughtful. I think my biggest goal is just helping people. It's, it's really horrible to have to go through kind of awful things and not really feel like you have a good roadmap. Mm -hmm. So I'm working on putting together a resilience roadmap. You know, the things that I found really 
helpful so that if, you know, someone else stumbles into yuck in their life, they at least have, you know, not only some advice, but, um, you know, I really wanted to know that someone had kind of survived something like this and come out the other end. I wanted to have hope. I want, I wanted to know it was possible. Well, I think that you are an incredible inspiration in that way. I'm curious who's um, who's a support for you because it's on, I know that I know you. I know you're a support for so many other people. Um, where do you find strength outside of you know you've got the tools in your toolbox, including obviously the essential oils, but what about other humans to depend on? Because because um, you're alone, you know, trying to parent your daughter through this and just getting through it all. Well, she's incredible. I mean, yeah, your kids kind of remind me of that. She just, uh, she's so funny and she's, she's hilarious. So she's a great support. My mom is mm-hmm. amazing and, and really fantastic. And she's really, I've, I've watched, you know, cause she lost um, her grandson and then my dad died within six months. And oh, so I didn't she, know that. I'm sorry. I didn't know that. No, but she's really, I'm so impressed by her, you know, because she's really kind of found a new way to navigate and show up. Um, I'm very lucky. I mean, like you, I have some amazing girlfriends who mostly make me laugh. I really think mm-hmm. laughter is just the best medicine. So by far, I couldn't agree more. And so my, my ultimate question for you, Jody, is uh, what fuels you? What's your ultimate fuel? Like what gets you out of bed in the morning? Um. I I really like the idea of making the world a better place, you know, than I found it. And and basically helping other people kind of um traverse hard things and, and not have to do as much trial and error. Like just yeah. really helping helping people kind of feel better, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, I hope people, I hope there's lots of people listening and they're going to get such a treat from hearing your story and from getting their own tools. I'm sure that they'll um, want to come to you as like an expert and buy the book, buy the oils. And, you know, I know that your measurement of it is not like, oh, let's get to the 10 million or 20 million, but um, that will be, that will be how you measure, like how many people are actually benefiting from all the work that you've done to research this this remedy it's incredible thank you well and i i do have a free gift um boostthebrainbook.com slash gift it's 25 ways that you can activate your vagus nerve and here's the cool thing you only need to pick one you know it's just like one little thing that you add to your day wait so what is it w what where am i going to get the free gift boost the brain book slash gift and it's just it's a bonus chapter but you know it's it's a lot of things people don't think of, like if you can sleep on your right side, that kind of helps activate your nervous system better. If you use your tongue like a paintbrush and paint the roof of your mouth, that helps to activate your vagus nerve. You know, it's just a lot of little things that I'm like, oh, this, you know, when you're in chronic pain and something alleviates that pain, you're like, oh, I'm keeping that one, you know? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. What a great resource. So, so glad that you were on the podcast. Great to see you. Great and if there's anything you. that I can do for you, um, yeah, just thrilled to and, and really happy to see you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. 
We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You. Thank you.